All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. It has been six months-ish since uh, episode 50, the rules episode, and boy, are we ready to start releasing content and also begin recording the next chapter because things are things are happening. So in the last rules episode, six months ago, we committed to, just as a quick reminder, um, making five new perks and five new forms. Um, and then we decided to release this episode the week before the actual release of the, of the chapter in order to fulfill our commitment of those five new perks and five new forms. We were going to talk about the tested triggered abilities with the new initiative system, but we feel like that's more of a discussion for at the end of the chapter. That way you guys have the opportunity to have listened to what we did, hear how we decided to progress. And then if you have any feedback for us after that, you can email us or tweet at us or message us on Facebook or whatever. We respond to any of those uh, mediums. So instead, um, all we're going to do really quick is just, I'm going to share the new forms and the new perks and then... Brett and I will discuss the implications of those new forms and perks. Does that sound good? Yep, sounds good to me. We should update everybody, though. Um, we had a baby. There is a baby. He's napping right now. He's napping. So um, if you hear baby noises in the background later, it's because he woke up. <laughs> the fortunate thing is that we recorded all of this stuff before we had the baby. So you won't have any baby noises. The chapter that's releasing in the next week. I was going to say, after that, I can't make any promises. We will do our best, but there is a, a strong possibility that in the middle of us recording, he's just going to decide uh, that it's time to eat. It is a baby boy. His name is Hawthorne. His nickname is Hawk. Yep. Um, that was the big news. If you guys want to talk about that with us, we have so many things to talk about with our baby boy. And we have so many pictures. So if, <laughs> if demand is high, I can share some of those. You can share some of those with him, like podcasting, you know, at a couple. We got a couple months old. Oh, that would be so cute. Um, but anyway, you guys aren't here to listen to us coo about our baby, even though we could spend hours doing that. Instead, you're here to listen to these new rules and things that we've come up with. So I want to start with the forms and I'm going to go through them alphabetically. Um, I did five this time. Uh, I did focus heavily on divination because I felt like the divination school was lacking. I actually found out that the divination school is lacking in pretty much every role-playing format in existence so i had to reach deep down in my brain to come up with something creative for these as i said i'm starting in alphabetical order so here's the first one i've called it consume um, it costs three experience and it has a range of two meters its duration is immediate but then there is an additional duration of thaumaturgy rank rounds that will make sense here in a second the school is thaumaturgy and then its effect is upon casting this form you consume a thing a solid gas liquid or plasma that embodies the aspect you applied to this form the thing you consumed disappears taking away all effects tied to it you may now apply an extra 1d6 damage to forms you cast with that aspect you consumed this lasts for rounds equal to your thaumaturgy rank, which is why you have that additional duration segment. I love this form. So this form originated in, um, oh, it was like a few years ago. I decided it would be really fun to make a uh, Natsu character, which is if you've ever seen the anime fairy tale, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but basically this guy like eats fire and, and gains energy from it. And, uh, I was making a sorcerer who was based on this character and I really wanted a form that would do that thing. So we made, um, 
or I guess it was a spell in D&D, but so we made this spell and it was really, really fun and I ate an entire elemental and it was ridiculous. Um, so this kind of stems from that and I'm I'm really excited for this. I think that Nariel's going to get um, some some good fun out of this. <laughs> Later on, when we finally um, attack these upgrades, these perk upgrades, I'm going to make it so that each upgrade to consume changes the size of the thing that you are consuming. So right now we're going to keep it dropped down to tiny and small. But later on, if you upgrade it, you're spending additional XP and then also AP, um, you'd be able to consume something as large as, a, as an elemental potentially. I'm jazzed. <laughs> okay. Anything you think I should add or take away or change with this? No, I don't think so. I think this is pretty solid to start. I think that if we, you know, as we use it, it might change, but... I think this is great. All right. I'm I'm so excited. (laughs) Then the next one is another thaumaturgy form. This is the last thaumaturgy form. Um, And it is called Fling, which costs 2 XP to obtain. Its range is 2 to 50 meters. Its duration is immediate. And as, as I said, the school is thaumaturgy. The effect is the caster flicks a tiny object at a creature within range. It deals 1d6 plus rank piercing damage, but it picks up speed the further it travels from the caster, dealing an extra 1d6 damage for every 10 meters away from the caster the target is. Oh, wow. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know that there was a difference, um, a whole lot of difference between this and like tear, because with tear, isn't that you like rip something off of something else? And then you can throw it at another creature, yes. Yeah, so I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know what the difference was between this and that, but that's awesome. Flicks a tiny object, so like anything. Yeah, so the idea is like it's a magical sniper shot, basically. So you could flick a pebble, or you could oh. flick a, a, a one of your rounds, or I um I don't know if you saw that there's Theram Munition where you can imbue a form into a bullet or something, and I was like, man, this would just really overpower. Um, humility even more so why not make it (laughs) why not give humility everything that she needs to become like (laughs) a top-notch assassin um i also made this form because you guys were supposed to enter a uh, little canyon bunker and there was the possibility of uh well i wanted to narratively add an explanation for how the heck these people in this bunker were supposed to fire off little sniper rounds with they don't have snipers. So I was like, oh, why don't I make a form for it? It is also loosely based off of the Magic the Gathering card fling, or I don't remember what it is, where you throw a person or throw oh, one of your creatures. I love that card. It is it is fling, and it's like the art of like a little goblin getting like chucked. Usually, yes. You like throw a creature. It's hilarious. Um, but this one, I, I used the word fling... I, I guess you could also call it flick because I like to do that like single word. And then when you add an aspect, so it'd be like fling fire or fling earth and stuff like that. <laughs> fling earth, tiny pebble, just chuck it at someone. Yeah. Otherwise, if you just hit fling, it's just like you create a little ball of, of ether and you flick it at a person. You guys didn't end up using it, but I think. Uh, no, but Maddie did acquire it. Pretty sure she did. And then, of course, now that you know it's there, you could always acquire it as humility um, if you get that there ammunition or anything. The next form begins our divination focus um, for this chapter. So the first one is Foresight. It costs five experience. Its range is touch, and the duration is rank D6 plus reason mod rounds. Pretty standard for a lot of our duration. 
The school's divination, like I said, and then the effect is the caster touches one willing creature, granting them a limited ability to see into the immediate future. For the duration, the affected creature cannot be surprised, has advantage on all checks, and attackers targeting the affected creature have disadvantage on attack checks. What do you think? I feel like this reminds me of something, but I don't remember what it was. I'm a little worried this one's going to be broken. Why is that? Um, it's rank D6 plus reason mod rounds, so that could last for a long time. If you have five ranks in Divination, you're rolling 5D6 plus your reason mod, and that's how many rounds this lasts. And during that time, the affected creature can't be surprised, has advantage on all checks, and attacker, attackers um, targeting the affected creature have disadvantage on all attack checks. Which, you know, granted is only a minus three, but still, I'm a little bit worried about it, so... We'll need to test it, I think. I think it's really cool. Spidey sense. That's maybe what it reminds me of, is spidey sense. Yeah, that's kind of the inspiration there. I cast spidey sense on myself. Um, anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, I think another issue that I might have with this is that there's not really a lot of... You can't mess around with fire too much. Or, like, the different aspects. So we may need to oh, kind of brainstorm. Oh, I see. We may need to kind of brainstorm how the aspects will apply to this form. Like, if you use fire, you can see, like, melee attacks and... I don't know. Something like that, sure. Um, There are some forms that have that, like Storm has that. Um, And then there are some forms that kind of just leave it up in the air. That way, um, players can kind of create their own narration for it. Yeah, that's fair. Anyway, on to the next one. It is called Read. It costs five experience, and its range is five meters within sight. Um, The duration is immediate, with the school being another divination. The effect is the caster makes a divination check against the target's will. On a success, the caster learns the creature's alignment, whether or not they are being truthful, and of their true intentions. On a failure, the target knows the caster is attempting to cast this form on them and react accordingly. I like the repercussions of that one. That's kind of cool. I've actually started working on a few um, repercussions for... Uh, checks even so i kind of realized um you know when you guys like do a perception check for traps and then the response is either oh yeah you found a trap or there are no traps that's a pretty standard one but sometimes i'll just be like oh make a perception check and you guys will roll low but then it's just like well why was i making that perception check so now you as a player are aware that there's something there so i'm trying to make it so that even on a failure you guys get some kind of narrative um, like feedback so that you're like, you, you don't really, it doesn't give away that something else was supposed to be there. Nice. So I'm trying to do that with forms and narration and checks and all that kind of stuff. I like it. Um, as for read, I know we don't have alignment in our, like a, a strict alignment like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder have, but I do still feel like, at least I can add in the rules that there should be a general alignment. It doesn't need to be recorded by a player, but you know when you're when you're role playing through a scenario, and let's say you interact with Mathis, if somebody were to cast read on Mathis, they would have been able to figure out that this guy does not align with their beliefs. He may not be considered evil, but he's not actually good either. And so that's where I think that I need to make some rules about alignment that describe it as being fluid and are not necessarily like strict. This is a creature's alignment always like black dragons are always evil. It's more of a, 
you can kind of figure out what this guy's belief systems are, the big. Right. Like, what's the situation? Yeah. Or just whether or not that they align with the creature's beliefs. So it's less like I align with chaotic good or whatever, and more like I align with you in this situation, or I align yeah. with your enemy in this situation. So somebody casting read again on, on Benji wouldn't learn that Benji is reckless good as he describes himself. They would just recognize that, you know, Benji considers himself good and that may be in alignment with what another, with what the caster believes. On to the last form. You ready? Yep. All right. This one is called weave. Um, it costs 10 XP. It's range is touch. It's duration is 3d6 minus divination rank minutes and it's school is divination. Mm. Um, we'll get into why there's that little weird duration here in a second. Um, the effect weave costs 10 AP to cast the caster targets a creature making a divination check against the target's will for unwilling creatures on a success. The caster is able to view the vague tapestry of that creature's fate. The caster may modify or manipulate the creature's fate, how they see fit aspects applied help flesh out the details of the fate. The caster sees and may manipulate. On a failed divination check against the target's will, the caster makes an endurance check against the duration of the form. On a failed endurance check, the caster loses 2d6 sanity, becomes a lost, tangled in the strings of fate for the duration. During the duration of the weave form, the caster cannot move or take any other actions. This is going to fuck someone up. And I don't know if it's going to be the person who casts it or the person it gets casted on, but it's going to fuck someone up. Yeah. Um, so I know that... Dylan was originally talking about using Weave on Tyrio, and I was like, that's going to be an interesting situation. He didn't end up taking that form, but, you know. And so this can be, uh, well, one, it's a little meta. And two, I feel like it's it could be a little bit uh, story-breaking, not necessarily game-breaking, but let's say a DM has a big bad, and these guys happen to run into them, and they cast Weave, and now all of a sudden that big bad's fate is all sorts of messed up. And now that that big bad can't really be the big bad anymore because their fate has been changed by a, a character. I personally am okay with that because I like to have my players run the story, but I'm worried that some other DMs will not like this form. I mean, I guess if you really wanted to, you could tell a player they couldn't purchase it. Yep. That being said, I think that your plan for, like, replacing Tyrio as the god of chaos or whatever was going to be pretty dope. But, I mean, yes. But that's, as a, as a creator of this game, I have to recognize that some DMs out there will not be appreciative of this form. And so it may need some, some tweaking. At the, I, I would say that, at the very least, the DM has some kind of say over how effects may put into place so very similar to like making a wish with the genie if you're not perfectly specific the dm could construe that or uh, rather um, twist what you wanted to happen in this in this creature's fate into something far worse than what it already was and that could affect the players in a far worse way so it, it, it's it's a double-edged sword i guess yeah i guess that's fair too because like you could say i guess i can't think of it uh example right now but i mean you could definitely pull in i'm the genie i'm going to take everything that you say extremely literally but not in the way that you think um and that could be really interesting too but again i mean i think that i mean maybe we could include some text in there like 
make sure that your DM's going to allow you to use this before you purchase it. I don't know. Something. I also think that, you know, the risk that this form has will limit how often a player uses it. Like if they fail that endurance check, if they fail to hit their target's will, they lose 2d6 sanity. That could be half of what their sanity was at. It's kind of like, what's the D&D spell? It's like Wish or something that you can like lose your spell casting ability entirely. Yep, that's right. So it's kind of like that. So that's all the five forms that I created for um, for our little intermission period. Um, are you ready for the five perks? Yep, I'm ready. All right. So these are kind of all over the place. Like I said, I'm not going to do five perks per class. Instead, I'm just going to do five general perks. The first two are for cleric. Again, I'm going in alphabetical order, so this might jump around a little bit from, um, from class to class. But the first two are for cleric. The first one is called Beacon. Rank 1 costs 5 experience. Allies within 3 meters of you have advantage on checks made to avoid extra effects such as poisoning or grappling done by enemy creatures' attacks. However, enemies within 3 meters of you have advantage on attacks against you. So, I mean, this is going to be good if we're going up against, like, I don't know, what's that thing that tried to grapple us a bunch? Uh, the big taint rotworm? Yeah, that one. That'll be great, you know, if we ever fight that again or, you know, anything else that can grapple you a bunch. Yeah, that's awesome. I like that. That's a cleric ability you said? Yep. I like it. I kind of figured that might be cool because then it also counters. Um, it, it will take an action to perform, but it, it encounters a lot of the monster's abilities that have like a secondary effect. Nice. Which will make things easier for the DM, too, if it's activated. Now, here's my question. It says allies within three meters of you. Is that upon activating the beacon perk or is that if they are standing within three meters of you at any given time during the duration of the beacon perk it is during the duration of the beacon perk so like if um benji was or if uh, i guess if humility was outside of three meters away from virgil but then during the duration moved to be within three meters then she would have advantage on checks yes okay cool i just wanted clarification on that just to make sure okay um i can add that clarification in there if you want i'll make it happen the next perk is also a cleric perk it is called cruentation which um is the art of divination through blood is that actually what it is historically the uh act of cruentation was a a method of divining a murderer so if the suspect of a murdered victim were to like touch the wound or the body of the murdered victim and the wound or the body were to then bleed it would be proof that the suspect was indeed or the proof of guilt that the subject was indeed the murderer so i did a little bit of twist on that with cruentation there's only one rank it costs 10 xp as a round action you can you can touch fresh blood and learn the fate of the creature it belonged to discovering the experience that drew its blood through the means of vision this is like uh in dark souls when you see those little blood stains and you go and you poke it and then it like shows you the little animation of how the person died this is like exactly that (laughs) yeah i didn't even make that connection until you just said it just now so uh yeah i guess so Oh, seriously? Yeah, did not make that connection whatsoever. (laughs) Yeah, this is exactly that situation. I'm okay with that. It's awesome, though. I like it. It it was possibly helpful, especially, I mean, maybe not 
I don't know how many murder investigations we're going to be doing, but you know, it, it's it's helpful if you, you come across a body and you're like, oh my god, what killed this? Then you can kind of. I like that. That's cool as hell. Um, I actually the the purpose is not necessarily even for a body. Instead, you can just touch fresh blood, and so my intention was for you guys to end up in the keep or the fort and you find all these blood stains. You're supposed to be able to touch them and figure out what had happened. Mm. Nobody has this perk, but that's the reason why I made this perk so that you could potentially shed light on the mystery of what happens in a random circumstance or um, like you said, a murder investigation could help that as well. Fantasy, uh, fantasy detectives. My, my question is, is there any of us who would have been able to have this perk? Uh, no, you're right. My bad. No, it's fine. Um, it's a cool perk. I really like it. I'm not upset that we added it, but <laughs> you were like, it was my intention. And I was like, was it? The next perk is dark vision. It lives in the druid tree. Basically, what we found is that dwarves are the only race with dark vision. And we were like, well, I mean, druids can change every other aspect of their body. What's not to say that they can gain dark vision thanks to their ability to adapt their body. There's no action required for this perk. It's just once you take this perk, you get this. So rank one costs five experience. You gain dark vision, ta-da, uh, allowing you to see up to five meters in the dark. Rank two costs six experience and increases your dark vision up to 10 meters uh, rank three is seven experience, increases to 15 meters, and the last rank, rank four, costs eight XP, and you can now see up to 20 meters in the dark. It's a pretty standard perk, but also it, it eliminates the constant need for uh, a torch and also adds another route to obtaining dark vision rather than just being a dwarf. Right, because dwarves are the only ones who have dark vision in Necroforge, right? Yep, or of course, if you create your own race using the racial customization thing. Uh, I'm excited for dark vision because being, you know, a druid and an elf, I don't have that. So I just have, I mean, I guess I have my light up staff, but it's nice to not announce yourself with light sometimes. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. All right, the next one is in the wizard tree. It is familiar. Rank one costs 10 experience. Upon gaining rank one in this perk, you are able to spend five AP to summon an ethereal, tiny, or small creature. You make an ethereal check. The result is the number of hours your familiar remains summoned. For the duration, you may see, hear, or smell what your familiar sees, hears, or smells. Rank two costs 11 experience. Upon gaining rank two of this perk, your familiar now becomes corporeal. You may have your familiar perform mundane actions. You may also take a bonus action in combat to have your familiar attack using your Ethereum skill and targeting will. The attack does 1d6 minus 2 damage. Um, that's really cool. I love familiar in general, but I feel like people always feel boxed in. Like they pick one creature for their familiar like one time and then they feel married to that creature forever and ever. This kind of, I don't know if this will feel the same way, but I feel like I might summon a different creature every time. If you even get familiar, this belongs in the wizard tree. So unless you branched over to wizard from druid, you would not have immediate access to it as Nariel. Which would be a thing to do. If that's something you wanted to do, yeah. You think it all sounds good between um, the ethereal and then corporeal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I, yeah, and I like that it's it's kind of an incorporeal being until you rank it up. That's really awesome. All right, cool. Um, and the last perk is uh, back to the druid tree. It is called Voyager. 
Your travel speed doubles as a result of your extensive travels. In addition, you gain advantage on survival checks to make camp and avoid natural hazards found throughout the world. That's rank 1, and it costs 6 XP. Rank 2 is 7 XP. You gain advantage on animal handling checks to provoke mounts to move faster, doubling their travel speed. Like I said, this is Druid. This kind of came as a result of you guys discussing how frustrated you were that you kind of felt like you had wasted time. In order to provide a faster means of travel, I wanted to allow you guys to use mounts, and then if somebody had this perk, they could move faster, basically. My my concern with this one is that as a group, you only travel as fast as your slowest person. But if you guys happen to be on a cart, on a horse-drawn cart, somebody could provoke that mount to then move faster with the cart. Okay, I guess that's fair. Um, or if you want, I could do rank three to provoke all allied mounts. Yeah, that might be good. Okay. Yeah, just because, I mean, rank one is cool, but unless you're traveling alone, it doesn't really help you, unless everybody has it. It also could be like, hey, I'm a gnome. Uh, my fastest party member is an elf who travels at seven meters. I travel at four. So now I can double that to hit up to eight. So, you know, that's another thing that you can consider. That's fair also. Yeah. And then also okay. uh, gaining advantage on survival checks to make camp and avoid natural hazards can help too. Cause like that helps you avoid the pools of, you know, super heated. I forgot what they're called. The natural pools of water that are super duper hot and melt you in hours or like oh. avoid, you know, the ones from Yellowstone, stuff like that. Those kind of natural hazards. I see. I was like a hot spring. No, that's not what you're talking about. Nope. Not a hot spring. Or like avoiding a, a like unknown hole or something, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can like, and I mean, obviously, if if we want to adjust these, these are things that, in all reality, like coming up with five of these, even in six months, can be a bit taxing, and so they're going to be incomplete. This is us play testing these things. So if we need to do adjustments on them, we can do adjustments on them. It's not going to be a big deal, um, but. This is us initially sharing them, and um, I'm okay if we get feedback where they need to change. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's a really good start, too. And, and I mean, I'm not saying that it's not a good perk. I was just concerned about, you know, if that was going to be useful. But I like it. Sweet. And, yeah, if we need to change it, then I'll change it. That's not a big deal. That's why we're sharing this, because this is the first time we've actually really sat down and discussed them, too. So you guys get the raw input of Brittany's opinion on my work. It's true, because I haven't seen them. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, that is all of our perks and forms. We did record this after we uh, finished recording the episodes. So I did try to avoid any kind of major spoilers. But yeah, that's that's everything. This is going to launch on the 31st. And after that, you guys finally get to start up the next chapter, which um, I did like. And I think it, it really begins to um, put the pressure on everybody to, like, stop messing around and fix this thing. Yes, definitely. We definitely felt the urgency, sometimes to a frustrating degree, but that is okay. Um, I think that that kind of adds to the feeling, too, where, like, you know, 
things don't go exactly it's not necessarily as easy as you think it should be to get from one place to the other so kind of you kind of get delayed and stuff like that um and i think it's i think it's good i think (laughs) i think there was frustration um but i think that it was a good frustration if that makes sense yeah and then we've also talked about how i can improve my method of dming and so, you know, not only are we learning how to play Necroforge and learning how to build Necroforge, we're also learning how to be better players and be better DMs. And so we're all in this learning together. So um, I hope you guys do enjoy this next chapter. I hope you enjoyed the new perks and forms. Hopefully here in the near future, we'll see some of those in action instead of just Meteor every single time. We'll be back with our usual post-rules episode where we're kind of going to discuss more how we feel about some of these triggered abilities, um, some of the rules we want to change in the next chapter, and um, then we're also going to discuss the monster showcase again. And because there's only one really cool monster, we figured we'll do a location showcase, which we will discuss in the post-rules episode. Anything else you want to add, Britt? So this next chapter at the beginning of it is kind of a lot of role play, which is really fun. But um, then towards the end of it, we start getting more experience. So I'm excited to, to get using these forms a little bit later in, in coming chapters as well. Cool. Hopefully um, there's going to be the ability to, uh, I also in the middle of the, the chapter, we finally defined what rituals do. Um, and so I think there's actually a little bit of a rules explanation in there. So I'll just leave it then. Um, but I've started trying to actually add these rituals into the story so that if there's like uh, a form that you guys will need to progress, then somebody will have the ability to obtain it. It might be a roundabout way of gathering this, this form. Um, but like later on, there's going to be a need to do something in a later chapter and you need a specific form to have it. And if you guys don't already have it, then there is a way to get the, uh, the scroll or the ritual to be able to learn it. So I'm excited. All right. I think that is everything. So um, we'll wrap it up here and we hope you guys enjoy the next um, 10 weeks of audio because it was not just eight episodes like our average. It actually turned out to be 10 episodes. So uh, you guys actually lucked out by us taking a little bit longer. I think, I think it was better. I think that having that time, um, helped us kind of focus and we were able to make all those perks and forms and it's going to let us kind of release on a more smooth schedule. Yep. And then, uh, after this, our next season or our next chapter will start up in like, uh, the first Thursday of February, right, Britt? I think that mm-hmm. was right. Yep. Six months. Yeah. All right, cool. So we'll have an exact date for you guys in the post rule episode for now, um, over the next couple of weeks, just enjoy these. Um, we'll see you later. Necroforge was created by Paul and Brittany Swenson, and they are joined in playtesting by Maddie Eby and Dylan Krischer. The Forge is edited by Brittany Swenson, with music by Darren Curtis. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, or whatever your preferred podcatcher is so you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, please rate and review us, it really helps. Have a question? Comment? Want to host your own Necroforge campaign? Email us at necroforge at gmail.com or message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 
And remember, none of this is possible without your continued listenership. So thank you, and we'll see you next time.